0: Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. Hi, I'm Robin Renee. Today
1: is Wednesday, July 10th, and tomorrow is National Cheer Up the Lonely Day. Oh, that's a good one. I think it is a very good one. It's uh, really helpful to a lot of people. Um, And the 14th is actually a day that I will enjoy. It's National Nude Day. I know there's National Nude Recreation Day every year. um, And I will find some place to go to the beach or be somewhere relaxing with friends. So that will be good. (laughs) And uh, the 17th is World Emoji Day so are there universe are, are some emojis not universal and we're working to get a, a world language of emojis is that what's happening oh, i think it's the guy
0: <laughs> who does emojis wants everybody to just send rebuses instead of text around okay so
1: <laughs> all right that could be fun um this a
0: one actually of, is good I was just going to say a lot, a of, lot of plants and peaches getting sent around oh, everywhere right. on World Emerging <laughs> oh, right, <okay>. Day.
1: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, man. Well, all right. Then uh, on the 20th, we have National Toss Away, the Could Haves, Should Haves Day. That sounds like it could be important and powerful.
0: Yes, it was. it, uh, it was started by some, a, a self-help person whose name escapes me right now, so, uh, and and what she advises everyone to do is to make a list of all of these things, your coulda, shoulda stuff, and to look at them, and then let them go, and not let it weigh it's you down. It's good stuff to get rid of. It's not easy for
1: me, for sure.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, on the 21st, I guess uh, you don't have, maybe you could worry less about it if you get rid of your could have, should haves, because it is junk food day and ice cream day. Oh. So, (laughs) you know, maybe if you get rid of your mental baggage, you can enjoy that day a little more on the 21st. Um, I like how there's a distinction between ice cream and junk food. I was thinking about the two. Ice cream has some. I guess it has milk, which has, you know, some redeeming value. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, it's I'm cold. scratching here.
2: That's, that's yeah. the redeeming
1: value. There you go. Uh, and also on that day is be someone day. So this is actually a pretty serious one. It's take 10 seconds to make a difference. So, you know, if you, it could be as simple as watering a plant, it could be as powerful as reporting child abuse. And those are the two examples they gave. So, you know, I think it's a cool thing to recognize that it really doesn't take that long in time to do something that can really change somebody's life, you know, even if it's a plant or anything, you know, so I thought that was kind of cool. Mm. And the 22nd National Rat Catcher Day, I guess... That is a profession that is not lauded enough. So (laughs) that's that. And it's also National Hammock Day. So those are the
2: days to celebrate. Great. There's some birthdays too. Um, Today on the 10th is Nikola Tesla's birthday. So happy birthday. And uh, tomorrow on the 11th is E.B. White. And uh, on July 12th, is Richard Simmons and I want to say mm-hmm. a special thank you and happy birthday to Richard Simmons because of all he's done for people. And I met him once. Oh, so cool. I met him at somebody's got oh, cool. Mitzvah. So he was cool. And <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> let's see. Uh, on the 13th is interesting because it is the birthday of both Harrison Ford and Patrick Stewart, which is interesting that we've got the clashing star themed. Uh, it's the trick time,
0: it's trick
2: day. day. Yeah. the 14th is Jane Lynch's birthday. Happy birthday Jane. We all like her. And uh, the 17th is David Hasselhoff and Angela Merkel. Thank you Angela Merkel for all you do Angela. putting up with Angela. Trump. Angela. <laughs> Angela. Yeah. She's German. Uh, yeah. I'm not. So anyway, uh, the 18th, not only is it Vin Diesel's birthday, but it's also Nelson Mandela and John Glenn. That's an interesting combination. And the 19th is Benedict Cumberbatch and Brian May. And on the 20th is Sarah O and Omar Epps. Is that how you say his name? Epps or Epps? Yeah. And oh, the apps. 21st is another interesting combination. It's Robin Williams and Don Knotts. And I think that's kind of cool. And Cat Stevens. So happy birthday to all those people, whether they're here or in the great beyond.
0: So, what have we for the news? I mean, we just Robin was marching in pride over the past weekend since we were recording this ahead of time um, and uh, yes, world pride was it was really wonderful,
1: it was really amazing. Um, it was the fiftieth anniversary of Stonewalls we' talked about, and so you know marching past the stonewall was pretty moving um just to remember how how long ago that was and how much things have changed and how much we how much is in jeopardy right now, and we still need to we have battles to fight, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, so it was, you know, it's it, it's a mixed day of remembering people who died of AIDS. you know, I, I think of people I used to march with that aren't here anymore. Um, I think of the people who really fought at stonewall and 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 also it's just a fabulous party. So it's a lot it's a lot that happens in one day. Um there, on wen- on the Wednesday before the march, there was an honoring of bi-luminaries. So quite a number of friends and people that I've organized with over the years were up on stage um, being honored. And so a few marched with us. I marched with the uh, New York Area Bisexual Network. And it was, um, so it was cool. It was a lot of people from around the country that I didn't expect to see. And and uh, it was a good time.
0: That's really Ooh. cool. I- yeah
2: Yeah. i i didn't get out but i spent the weekend um watching uh, netflix has uh the new um sequel to uh, tales of the city and i had watched that and i thought wait a second there's plot points in here that i don't understand and i watched the original so many years ago when it was on pbs so uh, I had to go back and watch everything. It turns out there was a couple of other sequels that they had, uh, sequel seasons that, that had been done up in Canada that I had missed. And that reminded me a lot of this, what you're talking about, too. The Really, the whole, I don't know if you've seen Tales in the City, but uh, it all takes place in the 70s and 80s, and that was a very tragic era yeah and, i haven't seen
1: it actually. i should yeah, check it out and in
2: yeah. san francisco and and uh the aids epidemic and and the um the beginning of the fight mm,
1: mm-hmm. very cool definitely a good recommendation i don't see i don't see nearly <laughs> enough t v and movies and some some things i really should shouldn't miss and that sounds like one of them yeah so, thank
2: yeah. you It's interesting, not great writing, but interesting.
0: We have, um, and we have the, uh, Mueller to testify with, uh, in the house this week or towards the end of our broadcast period on the, on the 17th. So we're looking forward to that and we'll be watching that, um, yeah i saw that it should be about four hours altogether
1: and then there's going to be some that will mm-hmm. not be public so they can talk about some of the intelligent stuff so he, so
0: he can actually say who indivisible individual one is i guess right <laughs>
1: like like we don't know <laughs> <laughs> exactly i have a feeling there's a lot more than that, that you know there's a lot that's redacted that's really um Leave you wanting to understand what's behind those black bars. So um, at least somebody will mm-hmm. know more. <laughs> you know. Um, did so that's either happening. of you?
0: Did you guys watch that play that came out recently, um, which was a basically a a, a shortened and and dramatic, well, dramatic reading, reading of the of of, report? Yes. Uh, yes. I did watch that. That was that, amazing. Yeah it was I, know, I really loved john lithgow he he really got <laughs> he really got the president's attitude down in that in his voice i mm-hmm. love the fact that he got the
1: attitude without trying to mimic because there's the jokey you know um impression of trump but mm-hmm. he captured an essence in yeah, a way that no one else did actually yeah. yeah yeah that was, that was cool. good you know, yeah, and I mean, it made me wonder like, how, how many more people will it reach an audience that is not aware of the Mueller report, or how how it will land for people that might be less familiar with it, or something like that. I thought that was interesting. But there's yeah. also a, um, a a graphic novel that's coming out. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I a, that. yeah. Yes, there is. It's really
0: interesting. This I wouldn't we'll put a link about amazing. it. It's, yes, it's, everything's getting turned into a graphic novel. I mean, I'm I'm turning my mom's musical into a graphic novel. <laughs> so, it's, right. so it's this huge bandwagon now. But um, with the
2: Mueller report being 400 pages, that's going to be a thick graphic novel. Well,
1: I have a feeling they adapt things. And, you know, they said they're doing it with humor, but also, like, getting some a lot of the truth out about it. So it's like, I don't think it's interesting. I, if people are, like, attacking it from all angles, like, one way or the other, people are going to get... The message, as, as opposed to like every having everybody read something four hundred pages, which isn't happening, you know. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting how that develops. Muller Mueller art is like its own cottage industry now, mm. <laughs> you know. Um, so and what else is happening? There's a lot of there's a lot of protest pr- uh, protest about the
0: yes a lot migrant detention the, the camps, kids
1: in and cages. yes, yeah. Yes, and there, I'm feeling feeling there actually were actually today, on the day we're recording, there are uh, protests all over the country. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry. I'm and I think yesterday them, there were
0: this. a bunch of people, a bunch of people got arrested in Elizabeth when they were outside of uh, a detention camp, which I didn't know there was one in the town just north of me. And I think I need to, well, I don't have bail money. That's the problem. <laughs> So to get arrested, I'm really screwed. Uh, so, yeah. so I, if I go protest, I'm gonna have to ask uh, you guys and 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 you listeners um, maybe to help me with bail. I don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> that could be a plan. You know, we'll start a GoFundMe for a
1: bail money. <laughs> but I, but it's get, but honestly, it's 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 getting. I, if I didn't really understand it before, I think the images and the stories we're getting now like it's really sinking in so um it's really it's well, upsetting congressman
0: ocasio cortez was was there yesterday right from when and of the i know she got a bunch of and threats and stuff. oh my god and 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 the and that secret facebook group that everybody just suddenly uncovered with all of the the awful stuff that the the cpb people are are saying amongst themselves, and it's uh, it, it, this is like this is like freaking crimes against humanity level shit that's happening I can't, here. I, it, I
2: can't believe that there's so many people who are so evil. It's making me very sad.
0: Well, yeah. Well, it. I, don't I think complacency your, is
1: this much of a, as of the problem too, and that's what's worries me that I feel so now I'm at this point where I'm feeling upset about it and really, really agitated about it. And so what am I going to do, you know? And, and I feel that sense of helplessness where I think that's what it is. It's some people don't care. Some people do care and don't know what to do. Some of us care and do something by talking about it, but there's, there's got to be next steps also. And that's the thing that is scary. Yeah unnecessary, I think. Yeah. And
0: I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm personally afraid of getting maced in the face by police, you know, and, and Mm. the stuff that they do. And if they, if they do arrest you, they, there's, there had, there's precedent of the police mistreating random people in lockup just because, and, uh, it's scary. And I, and I guess that's what they want. You know, they want a, a frightened population that isn't going to push back. And I don't know. I'm going to see if I can sack up and do this. And if sack up is the proper term, gird my loins, I don't know, something, something. It's, it. it's, I hear you, Robin, and I have many of this, I'm frustrated and I feel, I feel, helpless to to take action um and that any action I do take wouldn't be effective I'd like to whatever I do I want it to be effective um yeah it's really hard well I know people who are starting to mobilize and organize things um
1: so I'm going to be staying aware of that and finding finding ways to do more what what more and what I don't I don't know um but it's not it's not conscionable, you know,
0: it isn't. And so. it's, and these are, these are international crimes. I mean, this is, this is, this kind of treatment of people is, I mean, that's what the UN is for. And it, and they, and they've come out with these rules for how to treat refugees and how to treat people. And we are violating that as a country. It it's, it's very frustrating. It's very saddening. And, you know, I'm not, it, it makes me ashamed to be an American.
1: Hey, I'm Julissa Johnson from Mueller, She Wrote and The Racial Maddow Show. And you're listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation.
2: Lovely listeners. We love you all and we'd love to hear from you. So post your comments on our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And please go to iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. We really need those reviews and that would help us out a lot. Thanks a lot.
1: Later on in this uh, show, we were going to have an interview with Gary Wilson that I did uh, when I was out in San Diego about a month ago, and so I said, you know, before we play the interview, I should talk about why Gary Wilson is awesome. <laughs> and,
2: um, so, why is he awesome, Robin? Why is he awesome? Um, you know, Gary is
1: he, he's a he, he either really get it or you really don't I think for a lot of people but you know maybe that's not always true I'm not sure so he's um what you would call like an outsider musician and he has a, he had a great album in 1977 called Do you think you really know me which is like jazz meets um I don't know the love unlimited orchestra meets a jun- someone in junior high school angst kind of mode or something it's very hard to describe i've actually done some writing about him and i it's it's actually just i love this album it's what you know one of my top things ever that i've have (laughs) um and he's someone i really like to introduce to people um and just to see what they think because some people are very sort of put off by it sort of uh what would you say there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot about loneliness maybe in his music, but there's also just a kind of zaniness, which I find. um, Just wonderful. (laughs) So it's interesting, but.
2: Is there some place we can go to check out his music?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can hear a lot of things. Um, He's kind of everywhere and you want to find music. Now I was just looking on Spotify at some of his stuff so you think you really know me is probably on here yeah it's got to be on here his most recent thing in 2019 was the king of Endicott, and he's got something coming up with uh r stevie moore who's also another sort of out of the box artist and that i believe is going to be released um later this summer so it's 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 going to be interesting um I'm, I should want to capture something else about what he does. He really talks a lot about his hometown of Endicott, New York. He lives in he's lived in San Diego for a lot of years now. And there's something about the trying to capture a moment that Gary's doing. And and he and I think in a lot of ways, most of his work is doing that over and over again. But not in a way that is. I don't think that as a negative. It's just I don't know. It's like a quest to capture a sensibility or a moment or some kind of pain that happened and so in a way it's like a lifelong artist journey i think it's it's interesting and it's not everybody's cup of tea but it's definitely mine (laughs) so i'm gonna look forward to hearing his words in this in our show
0: so he's One of those musicians who is very difficult to classify in a genre. Is that kind of the impression I'm getting from the way you're talking?
1: Um, yes, yes. You know, I mean, it definitely is jazz influenced. Like I said, it's sort of, it's not punk influenced really musically, but it's comes out of that era initially you would say. Mm. So there's kind of like an anxiety thing about it, what he does. Um, but the thing about outsider music is that it is it it, it really is like so, a particular person walking to their own drum beat, you know. So okay. regardless of the, like, I'm, I'm thinking of um, D- Daniel Johnston, who's another person who's like that. Um, Captain Beefheart, probably, mm-hmm. it will definitely would be in that okay. category ah okay
0: yeah and it's somebody i've actually heard of
2: (laughs) yeah so he uh he's going to be on tour yeah he's got some shows coming
1: up in july and i could find those shows for you or actually um i can they will definitely be posted on our website i'm going to go check him out in cleveland i believe um because he's going to be in brooklyn i know and i don't think he's hit in philadelphia but he'll be like in DC, I think in Brooklyn and some other places. But I won't be around that weekend when he's near nearer to where I normally am, but I will be in Cleveland. So I'm going to a Devo fan gatherings. Uh, so I will see him, I believe, <laughs> Monday after that happens. So I'll get all my weirdo rock stuff happening <laughs> on that weekend or that, oh, that God. extended
0: speaking, weekend. Speaking of Devo, I just rewatched uh, the Futurama episode. Um, I think it's season seven or eight, where it's the it's the mutant. It, it's featuring the mutant debt that live underneath New York, and and at some point, Devo gets onto the the mutant stage, and and they're like mutated. Like one of them is basically just a potato and he kind of <laughs> has no arms and legs. And 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 I, I forget which one is which, but somebody's got like nothing but tentacles and they're all green and they place it. And, and then someone in the audience yells out um, to play It and they said no. And <laughs> they, had a, little guest, they had a little guest appearance on Futurama. I just watched <laughs> it like last night. So it's fresh in my mind. That's so funny. <laughs> Oh man.
1: Ah, but yeah. So Gary and and I'm and I I am just um, I'm very taken by art that he is singular, and I think that's what I like about him. And I'm I'm fascinated by minds that I'm not so sure of how they work all the time, and they're curious, and I want to know more, and that's, that's what's cool. fun about yeah. That's Sounds
2: interesting. Fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward
1: to hearing <laughs> this interview. Hi, this is Robin Renee. Root Studio in Columbia, Maryland, is a designed environment of creative co-working spaces specializing in enhancing mindfulness through practicing the arts. They offer a wide range of workshops and events, as well as a fantastic acoustic music and spoken word open mic each month. I'll be performing at a special benefit concert for Root Studio on Friday, July 12th at 7 p.m. The complete list of performers and other details will be announced soon, so keep an eye out on rootstudio.org, that's R-O-O-T studio.org, or call them at 410-824-8044 to find out about this and all they have to offer. You can always find me at robinrene.com and my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you soon. Well, I was super excited to have the chance to talk to Gary Wilson in San Diego back in June. Um, He's one of my favorite artists. It's really, really hard to describe him. You kind of really have to hear him. Um, I've done quite a bit of writing about him as well. I did some stuff in Biff Bam Pop and also Weirdomusic.com. He's got stuff like Mary Had Brown Hair, Electric Endicott. Uh, One of my favorites from 2008 is Lisa Wants to Talk to You, but you really need to hear his very first album, Uh, you think you really know me. So this is a little bit of what i wrote in Biff Bam, Pop in 2014. Outsider music is called such for a reason. Each artist is truly one of a kind. So it is with Gary Wilson, a strange merging of swanky crooner, accomplished jazz, agitated noise, and avant-garde composition. Add to that a perpetual adolescent angst stuck in a run-of-the-mill town and presentation involving duct tape, talcum powder, and mannequins. This is the precarious world of Gary Wilson's quintessential recording, You Think You Really Know Me. So let's hear a little bit of 6.4 equals makeout from You Think You Really Know Me.
3: What trying to do to me? Put me on a sick trip or something? You know something? I don't kiss on my first day. And I know you're aware of it. Hey baby, you're everything to me. But did I ever tell you? I got a real crush on Karen.
1: So, so I'm here with Gary Wilson on the left scape. Gary is uh, a great musician from Endicott, New York. He's now in San Diego and um, I'm just beyond joyful to uh, be able to have a conversation with him. He uh, put out a really seminal record in 1977 called Do You Think You Really Know Me, which uh, has influenced me. It's definitely one of my top uh, ten, top, top five albums of all time. So it's just really great to uh, To hear from him. Hi, Gary.
4: Well, hello there, (laughs) Robin. Glad you liked that album. Yes. It's it's a good thing in my life, actually. You know, really. The resurrection of Gary Wilson. (laughs) You know, when you think about it, um, you you know, they re-released the album in 1990. Remember that in Philadelphia Record Exchange?
1: Yes, I do. It was...
4: Cry, Baby, Cry records. Baby records. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with uh, some of those folks. Yes. Well, now no, funny thing, I, I just ran into the guy like a, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. We were playing in Philadelphia, and the owner, whoever I, uh, I don't know his name, he left me his card. He yeah, J.C.
1: Uh, Webster. Is that who it is? Yeah.
4: But he, you know, made a point to come to my show up there. And uh, but yeah, it's it's funny how timing in life works that way. I guess isn't it? You know, it's. Even though it was re-released in 1990, it still didn't do it. Mm-hmm. 1997, Beck was winning Grammys, talking about me playing some of the songs, but it still took another five years, even from that point. That's right. To 2002, and then everything just, you know, you know, I always, I always say, thank you, dear Lord. You know, somebody, you know, 2002, it was a strange period. You know, it was like, uh, actually 2001, has been. know. I was working at the Midnight's bookstore there. Uh, you know, my shift started at midnight till 8 in the morning. And, you know, I was duct taping my sneakers together and stuff. You know, it was just, you know, a minimum wage job and stuff. And, uh, you know, that's where I first heard back mentioning, you know, my album. Uh, you know, I just, you know, won some awards and they interviewed him. And, you know, the story there, you know, he started commenting about it. And then I'm off to grab a bus at midnight to go to my, my job, and then um, I'm a little shocked, really, in some ways. I remember because it's surreal, you know. <laughs> right,
1: right. <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit about um, what you've got new coming out now. I know that
4: uh, King of Endicott is the most recent. Yeah, that just came out a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's kind of a. Yeah, kind of homage to my hometown of Endicott,
1: mm-hmm.
4: as you gone through there haven't you Robin? I have, yes yeah, I've yeah, definitely yeah.
1: visited your hometown and took lots of pictures.
4: Yeah, um, matter of fact the video that's the King of Endicott video, you'll see a lot of the you know home videos from that period, you know, like, uh, actually that were from the documentary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm interested
1: in that actually because you really sing I would say almost exclusively about Endicott and that part of the that region of the world. You know, um, what is it that keeps drawing you there? Because it feels like you know there's so much California landscape all yeah, around. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Here. Like I say, been on an extended vacation, I think, here <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. But I don't know. You know, I guess it's that old thing. You know, being able to go back home. Maybe. You know, maybe to remember things that, that, that you remember. When life was maybe simpler or something, you know, mm-hmm.
3: you
4: know, so I kind of really kind of hocked in on it and, and, and nailed it, or mm-hmm. you know, focused in on it on that on this new album, you know. Actually, you know. So it
1: feels more nostalgic to you than the other ones that you've done? Well,
4: you well, know, like I said, it's focusing in on now Andy Con, you know, it's right on the album title, I and mean, so most of the songs have kind of around, you know, my feelings during that time, you know, growing up in IndyCon, know, I spent 24 years there, mm-hmm. so, you know, a lot of my life was, you know, even though Vince Rossi and I moved, tried to move to Manhattan, mm-hmm. did he ever tell you that story? No, I didn't know that story. We just graduated from high school and I was 17 at the time, right, and, you uh, know, <laughs> I brought my violin, Vince brought a guitar, was it working? And, uh, you know, we thought we could be folk singers in New York City. you know got about 180 miles from New York or something. So here we are. We just got out of high school. And, you know, I think I had 100 bucks. And my parents were going away. See, the timing was weirder It was summer, right? So... My parents, we had a summer home on Lake Ontario called Soda's Point, it was an area up in, near Rochester. That's a song title too, I think. Yes, right. you know, right. Mm-hmm. Good times, you know, in Soda's Point, <laughs> that's growing up, you know, it's, you know, But anyways, um, where was that? I lost my track on that one. Sorry, so you were moving to Manhattan with Vince? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we tried to move there, you know, and said it went real bad, you know, you know, we ran out of money really quick. For, it's the summer so now it's beginning to get real humid in manhattan right and finally no money so vince and i are sleeping in washington square now you know, wow. with our violin and guitar right you know we didn't even try i don't think to i don't know we probably tried to play but you know realized it wasn't going to happen you know, we could you know we thought we could get donations from people people throw money at us wow. but we ran out of money quick and you know, this is like 1971 now, you know, it's a little more dangerous in Manhattan You know, the 60s have come to an end, mm. you know, more of a flower power now than to people putting six locks on their doors. I don't know if you remember that period where it was getting rough there, and so here we are right in the middle of it. No money, young kids really, you know, we weren't quite old enough probably to, leave, to get a job, I don't know. And me not knowing really about life, being the youngest of the four, I guess. I, You know, my brothers, everybody made out real well in life, you know, Larry and David. But, yeah, I guess I have no uh, regrets,
3: mm-hmm.
4: so to speak. At least I kind of, you know, I kind of followed what I wanted to do when I was, you know, a young boy. Mm-hmm. You know, a boy, really young boy. We're talking fourth grade now. You know when I was into Dion and the Belmonts. And, hey, you know, it's a good story. Bobby Rydell, Dion. I don't know if you're familiar with these guys, Fabian. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I grew up with them. You know, I'm in fourth, third grade, fourth, fifth grade. And, and, and I wanted to be like Dion. I even wrote my first song, I think, in fourth grade or fifth songs. Kind of like Dion. Um, don't ask me how I wrote it. I can't even remember. I guess we had a big organ. You know, some kind of a spinet organ. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so Dion and those guys, but just a couple weeks ago, you know, I put a picture on my, I don't know if you saw the picture where I'm like with my Frankenstein robot when I was in fourth grade. I missed that one. it's on Facebook and stuff and Twitter. And I put it on Twitter. I says, "Notice my hair." I says, "My mom used to curl my hair with a curling iron." I don't I used to have curling irons. You put over the stove, right? Mm-hmm. Heat up the iron, and then you know, temporary, you could get a curl. So my mom would wake up in the morning and before we went to school, and I'm in grammar school, you know, fourth third. and she'd curl my hair in the front, so I kind of have that. New Jersey look, right? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the Italian uh, the teen idol look. Of it. nice yeah, style. It's a hairstyle, I don't know what it was called. ducktail, tail.
3: Duck yeah. yeah.
4: <clears throat> <clears throat> but yeah, so just lately, so I had this picture in, on Twitter or something, and who responds? Bobby Rydell. That's pretty cool. And I was like flabbergasted. I'm going, holy mackerel, if I ever met Bobby Rydell and those guys, baby, and I. I'd start crying I <laughs> think I'm serious, you know, I, would be a, a, I should invite him to a are in Los Angeles. And, probably. You know, or, well, at least, I, at least
1: they sure. they'll know who you are mm-hmm. now because
4: you've
1: been resurrected. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was like totally oh,
4: surprised. He's going, yeah, you got that look, Gary. And I said, yeah. One of my favorite songs was Butterfly Baby. I said, well, I, I had that record you know, back in fourth grade. <laughs> he says, you're looking good, Gary. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, really.
1: So I want to hear a little bit about uh, the collaboration with R. Stevie Moore. I just was listening to the new single, which is, Hey, Gary, Have You Seen My Girl? And it's really cool. I like the rhythm. It's um, It kind of like captures the subject matter that you sing about often, but it, like, it's like sonically very different. I thought that was neat.
4: And it's also got kind of a, almost that Nashville sound of Stevie Moore. That's where he's from, you know, that area. So it's kind of that shuffle you know supplying the, that sort of shuffle rhythm mm-hmm. but yeah yeah this is you know that's building up to some momentum I have to say this this thing mm-hmm. when is yeah. it coming up uh, the whole album I guess August is when the well, the whole album is coming out I guess but you know it's that Tim Burgess from the Charlotons it's his label he's you know in England you know, they were a group from England the Charltons and Tim Burgess he has his label that puts out stuff so He's putting it out in England, and then I guess Burger Records is putting it out in the U.S. or something. But it's building. It's yeah, it's going to take a here we go into this magical musical world, you know that I'm finding. You know, you never know what's around the corner. Yeah. No, I don't know what's going to happen. Something's building. You know.
1: So you, um, I, I think you and R.C.B. Moore are kind of seen in a similar light in terms of uh, yep, yep. doing homemade
0: albums. Yep. Yeah. He's in the been 70s. active.
4: Kind of, you know. That's how I think we. You know, when we did the thing, you saw us in Brooklyn. We also did the early one at the issue project room, kind of a museum or a gallery sort of a environment. And I, when I first met Stevie there, we went. I, went, I arrived early, and I said, "Stevie," I said, hey, you remember uh, Trouser Press? Do you remember Trouser Press, the magazine?" Mm-hmm. I said, "We both had ads in Trouser Press." I said, "And he sent me his album in 1977." and he had my album, you know, you think you really know me, so I said, yeah, you remember that? But anyways, yeah, so, you know, I think it's a perfect combination, I mean, it's, you know, even the agent that was booking both of us at the same time, you know, in Chicago, I I pointed it out, I said it's perfect, you know, we're both around the same age, we both are, you know, been doing this, you know, know, it's a perfect tour, but, you know, you know, we're both our health. You know, we have to think about that. Though, you know, other things are in the works too. So, <laughs> I I've been offered to do a tour mm-hmm. across the U.S. I guess with a band called Part Time out of Los Angeles. So, and that starts in July, and that's going to be you know like three weeks worth of shows all to Brooklyn, all the way to Brooklyn from here. Really. Sweeping back into Cleveland, all these other place now so. so I have a question. This is a little bit of a
1: turn from what we've been talking about, but uh, the leftscape is really um, well. We do we do some pop culture, but we talk a lot about politics, and it's sort of the well the shape of progressive conversation, you know, all the things that all the conversations we're having, uh, kind of on the left leaning end of the mm-hmm. world. And um, I'm curious about what you think. About the political, the current political
4: landscape that we're in, and is it something you think about? Well, I think about it, but you know, I always feel, um, you know, as an entertainer, you got to be careful with that in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, because you can isolate 50% of your audience if you lean one way or another,
3: Mm -hmm.
4: and so I kind of think of the way Johnny Mathis and those type of people would handle it, you know, they kind of stay out of politics, and, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, I don't want to start arguing with people about it and stuff, but, you know, you know, it's out there, you know, we see what's going on, and I, uh, you know, you've got to realize, too, I'm from a time of, you know, the 50s, where I was born in the 50s, you know, mm. so I have a certain conservative sense in some ways back then, you know, growing up, you know, my dad being an IBM and all that, you know, and so I have a certain sense, but, you know, I I try to stay out of that, you know, because it could be uh, weird to me, you know, I I often wonder why some entertainers, like, jump into it because, you know, you're, you're talking... You know, 40, 50% of the audience is, you know, they're like, hey, yeah, screw you, you know, or something. You know, they're not going to go to your shows or something.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, but well, there's the political but bands too, you know. Like I say, you know, I, I was also brought up listening to the Fugs, mm-hmm. and they were very political. You know, they were at the Democratic convention in the 60s where everybody's getting nailed you know? and <laughs> going. They're friends with Allen Ginsberg and all those people, you know, they were poets. I, I don't know if you ever did much on the Fugs.
0: I know about the
4: thugs, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> I actually saw them, but, mm-hmm. but but yeah, they were like poets and, you know, they'd get arrested sometimes for obscene behavior or something, but, but they had an interesting story. They got on ESP records. Do you remember ESP? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they used to have a lot of underground jazz stuff, you know, very avant-garde stuff. And, the, school, the, 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 anyways, the Fugs were one of their first rock bands on the label. And, you know, and then the, Ed Sanders from the Fugs ended up moving to Woodstock. And he was the editor of the Woodstock Times, actually. And mm-hmm. that, that gets into a whole other story, you know, Woodstock. And when I went up there, you know, before, like in 75, mm-hmm. to try to record my album, right? Okay. At Bearsville Studios. I don't are familiar with that studio. Oh, man, best studio i ever been in. Okay. The very best. It uh, was built by, uh, his name Jerry Grossman, and he was the manager of Janis Joplin, Bob Dylan, all these, like, uh, super heavy people. So this is where, like, the Stones, everybody goes, when they want to get out of the city and record. But anyway, some producer who was interested in me that lived in Woodstock, Robbie Dupree, Oh, I know. You familiar with him? Let's slip slip, away. Steal away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We we still stay in contact once in a while. He was trying to get me the tapes, the Woodstock tapes that we made. He produced them. Very cool.
1: So I have to um, just ask you one more thing. Um, And it's a little bit esoteric. So, what. I feel like there's a certain kind of essence that you keep going for in your songs. There's like Discord, there's desire, there's sort of loneliness, there are a lot of things like, is there something that you feel is at the core of what you're seeking to express in your work?
4: Well, I'm not too sure, but I'm focusing in on it, I think. With my newer songs, I'm getting down to, you know, what I always think I wanted Dion and Bobby Rydell to do, you know. uh, Put those two, as I've said before, in front of a John Cage show hmm. and put a little personality. Sometimes I'd go to see some of these real avant garde shows and it left me a little empty in a way. Uh, in this way, if you could put Dion in front of John Cage show or Bobby Ridell with a little bit of pop sensibility, teen idol quote, uh, fun songs, you know, fun time, that's right, you know, that's why I say a lot of my songs, I think. Especially now we're getting, in kind of my memory of Dion and all those people, you know, these short kind of two, three minute songs that get to the point, you know. Uh, you know, most of them were, you know, about girls or, you know, teen problems, you know. one remember that movie Sandra D and uh, Troy Donahue. Well, you know, I know who uh, they are, I don't know. The, yeah, yeah, The, the, the Summer Place.
1: About. Oh, okay.
4: You know, I always think of that movie, you know, it was a great movie.
1: Okay. So like when you do like Dead that, that's kind of what you're thinking of, songs like that? I guess, sort of you know, that I guess that's
4: what it thing. probably is. It all kind of accumulated in a sense, and it still has its, you know, um, I always like to say sometimes when people come to my shows now, I always say it's, um, they have a sense of, do you think you really know me? And then I want to take it over the top, even beyond that, so that it even, Whoa, the album was good, but the show now is even... Blew it even beyond the, the realm, and that's what seems to happen. You know, I've been trying to get that point across, but I think that's I don't know, maybe that's why I thought of my new title. I'm working on a new album, I got about six songs, I've been my seven. I gotta get a new album up, you know, and it's always a thing. But I was thinking Tormented Teen Idol, but I'm, I'm not, I might just call it Tormented, but I might put the Teen Idol in just to throw that in for the Fabian feel. But anyways, uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I think that's probably what happened, you know. I don't know if that was my or such my earliest period and, you know, and somehow I want to put the two together, you know. And, you know what I mean? You know, all I those songs by those teen idols with yeah. Sandy and Donna and, you know, they're all about, you know, teen girls and and they were fun, innocent tunes, you know, but they were fun. I you know, they never had a lot of edge, but they were fun, you know, and... So maybe that's what I wanna do and I, I wanna have a fun band. In a sense, you know, a, a dream has come true in a sense, since I was like boy, you know, I wouldn't you know, been Lord Fuzz, you know, but being thirteen or fourteen and and now it's like I'm almost living that dream in a sense, you know, and that's I try to put my frame of my mind to when I was that in Lord Fuzz, you know, and when music was fun, you know, when I didn't have to worry about you know, your mother took you to the gigs and, you know, what I mean, it was fun the business part wasn't even part of it you know, it was like, let's, let's play, you know and that's what I have to say about my new band the Blind Eggs, the guys that I've been using for the last few years you know, they're young, they're energetic they're, they're all set, and we got a thing in San Francisco actually um, in October at the Great American Music Musical that'll be a good one, like two nights there with, with a Japanese guy that I, I forget his name but anyway, I'm looking forward to that little vacation, and, the same. and plus that place is like one of those theaters. I don't know if you've been, ever seen the Great American Music Hall. It's like a a cool theater. I like the theaters to play, you know, even like going. You know, how about the Fillmore East? That's no longer there, right? Is that called anything else? Did they turn the Fillmore into like the Beacon uh, Theater or some weird?
1: Well, the Beacon Theater is in, in New York. I don't know if. It- yeah, used to it used be something else.
4: <laughs> yeah, the yeah. film where was, a. I went there as a little boy, you know, you know, saw Richie Havens, the Trogs, yes. you know, all kinds of, That you know, was a cool place. Well, geez, 67, New York City, the village was really going crazy. I mean, coming from a small town, Endicott, you know, 12,000 people, and the village was just like in the height of, uh, where the incense was it was just coming out of the out of these buildings, you know, out of these you know clothing stores, and you know what I mean. All these like cool spots in the village was just going crazy in the time. Be like Haight Ashbury in the sixties, you know, was at the height of you know flower power and the hippies, and you know it was a great time, really. But that you know, you know, that allowed me to see. But you know, then as I always say. You know when we were growing up, you know, then it turned where you only had to be 18 to go into bars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no longer that, I guess. But anyway, so you know, when I turned 18, I could go in and you know, see all kinds of bands in New York City, you know, all types, you know what I mean? And we're talking 71 now. And when I turned 18 after I try after the summer when I tried to move there, I turned 18 in October, and then you know, but I saw all kinds of cool bands in New York, everybody from. Gosh, Don Cherry to to, to uh, Leslie Gore to the New York mm-hmm. Dolls to you know Iggy Pop when he had just released Raw Power. So this is like I don't know seventy two or three. So even he had his plat you know silver hair painted silver and you know that was at that album. See things were moving now. We're in this direction now. It's like seventy three or seventy two it wasn't you you know punk and all that wasn't even described quite yet you know you had iggy and all these people now you're almost in, in the new york dolls sorry you had all these guys with mascara and platforms and iggy of course he had i don't know his silver pants silver hair and mascara and all that well they were good
3: mm-hmm.
4: this was you know like i said when we're raw power this is when he, yeah, I forget who produced it. Was it Brian Eno or David Bowie? One of those people produced the album back then, and it was the real thing. And then I saw him at Max's Kansas City, so it was kind of a smaller room and everything. <laughs> so here's Iggy with you know like the trio behind him, and each are like two stack marshals, I really big amps, and you know the real thing. You know. <laughs> and Iggy's at his peak, you know he's just. He dove into his drum set the first night, we went back, the next night he played two nights. He comes back, he's got all these stitches from jumping into the drum set.
3: Oh but
4: here's a man who puts you know his heart and soul into rock and roll, oh, know, yeah. I have to say, even now.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I saw something on Austin Limits or something, I'm like, holy Christ, there's Iggy with uh, that new band he works with, the Queens of something, uh, I can't remember their name, but they're from L.A. You know, kick ass band behind him, and the you know, Stone it. Yes. Okay. He did. That's his last album or something. Oh, that he nice. made and, and he's like on stage, and I'm thinking, boy, he's like seventy something. You know, he's still wiggling around, you know, and the band's kicking ass. Best band, you know, in, in some ways. You know, they were like really good, you know, energetic. But I saw the original guys, and they were good too. It's, I saw the Beatles, right? You did. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going back, right?
1: That's. Amazing. The,
4: the first they did two shows sure I saw the first one, which was supposedly the better one. And uh, yeah, height of Beatlemania was like. I talked to David, my brother, about it not too long ago. I said he said you know, our parents didn't even go with us to to that. You know, like they were bus excursions from Binghamton. You know, that churches would hold where they buy you a ticket and you could go to New York City to go see a play. Mm-hmm. And then they'd bus you back. <laughs> <laughs> so this was an excursion. They gave you a ticket to the New York World's Fair and the Beatles Show. So we were both in the same thing. So we, here's David and I and Patty. Larry didn't go there, that one they're done. And I'm like, sixth grade or something you know it was like when Hard Day's Night came out and all those were you know it's like the heart of Beatlemania and the place was packed I remember and, you know and there's like I said David saying you know you can't believe our parents let us go to that you know by ourselves Yeah, we were like 11 and 12 and 14 years old and David wasn't much older but, anyways, yeah, yeah, it was just packed and it was, you know, deafening. It was deafening. You, could, you, you almost had to hold your ears because the whole place was screaming. when you're talking about, what, 60, 000, I don't know what Chase Thiggum is. And they come running out, the Beatles, and we had binoculars. I remember. And, and I can't, you know, it's, it's all vague to me. Like, then what happened after it was all over? how did we make our way back to the bus where was it you know we were young little children yeah. but anyways it was starting to see that was the whole heart of it now i switched from dion and became a beetle maniac in seventh grade probably and plastered my walls with beetle posters and, and all of a sudden the 60s were revolving and larry and i even put a band together in seventh grade i remember and And then Lord Fuzz was the band that was actually good and then that became, it was 8th grade, I was on 8th grade when I was in that band, but we played all the great, that was 67 when Lord Fuzz was on, so I was 13, I guess.
1: Nice. I am so happy to have talked to you, I really appreciate all your stories, Oh sure, sure, sure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
4: Okay Robin, we will see you again there.
1: Well, Gary Wilson is currently working on a collaborative effort with R. Stevie Moore, which is called Tormented, and that should be out later this summer. In the meantime, he put out The King of Endicott, which is a, you know, call back to his hometown, and that came out in February of 2019. So let's listen to a little bit of this nostalgic ditty, It's Summertime.
0: online at letsgate.com, on Twitter at Letsgate and on Facebook at letsgate. The LetsSkate, the shape of progressive conversation.